Ed. Hello, horror fans. It's me, Cassandra, and Brittany. And today on the Horrorcraft Podcast, we are talking about Nightbreed. Are you excited about this one, Brittany? Oh, yeah, I'm super excited. Um, today we're talking about Clive Barker's Nightbreed. And if anyone has listened to our podcast before, they know that this is one of the titular movies that was kind of the gateway of Britney showing me horror movies. So it has a special place in my heart, even though at first it absolutely terrified me. And we'll go into that whole story here in a little bit. But um, much to Nye's dismay, <laughs> um, the Nye we just had the B-movie episode with Nye, and we were talking about Nightbreed. I know that that's probably not her favorite movie, so sorry, Nye. You could skip this episode if you want. Um, we wouldn't blame you, but um, Nye's probably like those bitches. But I no, I mean, <laughs> yeah, blame me. Blame me. It's not Brittany. It's me. Um, just kidding. No, no she, she's, she's super cool. Uh, Nye, we love you. So, um, but we are talking about Nightbreed and the lasting legacy that it has had um, and all the crazy crap that I had to go through. So sit back, relax, and let's cue this fucking music. Okay, so we are back. Today we are talking about Clive Barker's Nightbreed. What would how so Brittany you were the one that showed me Nightbreed but what is your first memory of Nightbreed oh I'm so my mom you know how you had like those um blank VHS tapes that you could record whatever yes my mom somehow had like this big collection I don't know where she got it from but she just accumulated all these random ones that were like recorded off tv and I'm looking through it and I find this movie called Nightbreed and I'm like, okay, I'm going to give this a try. Even though the last one I saw had women naked smoking cigars, but I took a <laughs> chance on Nightbreed. I mean, you know, only up from there. 10 out of 10. 10 I'm glad 10. I did it. I took the risk. Yeah. I remember the first time I, like when I slept over and you're like, let's watch Nightbreed. I was like, oh, what the fuck are you talking about? Um, of course I wouldn't have said what the fuck, because I was a good little innocent, naive. I, I'm not going to say that. Cause I, obviously there was a whole deep horror fan inside of me, um, to begin with, but I just remember you saying like, let's watch this movie. And I remember watching it. And I remember when, um, I'm trying to think of the character name, but he cuts his face. Narcissus. Uh, I think it's Narcissus. Narcissus. Um, I can't, I can't say it right. I think it's Narcissus. I think it's actually, um, yeah, yeah, it is. It's Narciss. Um, but I have a lisp, so I'm trying my best. <laughs> if anyone comes for Brittany and her lisp, I will tase you. Um, don't try me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I will not take, I am a, I'm a responsible taser user. Okay. Please don't come for me in that. aspect. <laughs> um, but nobody makes fun of my Brittany. Um, but I just remember like him cutting his face. And I was like, what the hell are you showing me, Brittany? I was terrified. But then I remember going home and being like, I was scared, but that was kind of cool. So then I remember coming back over like a couple months later after like the initial shock walked over. And I was like, can we watch that again? 
I really want to see this man cut off his own face again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't think I was enthusiastic about that. But I mean, like, first of all, Boone is hot. Like, Craig Schiffer, who I think that's how you say his name. If if we're saying your name wrong, Craig, I apologize. But um, he's hot in this movie, okay? Like, I remember him as the um the adoptive dad type in one tree hill he was like the the you know the other side of the tracks brother that like um adopted uh chad michael murray's character but he was fucking hot in this movie i was like dang he could pull a jim carrey on me oh my god Uh, but I mean, like he is ripped and especially when he's going shirtless in the movie with that leather jacket, I was like, dang, you could do things to me in that jacket. I would be okay with it. Show me your wild side. But (coughs) yeah, I was entranced and for a good reason. Nightbreed is a unique movie. Like that's, I think why it's such had such a lasting effect. Um, but I just remember it staying with me, but of course I couldn't like ask about it at home. Cause my parents would have been like, where the fuck did you watch that? You're never going over like, there again. <laughs> yeah. They'd be like, you're never going. And of course I was going to do that. Cause your house was the fun house. Like I wasn't going to rat out on murder. So like, you know, once you're in the club, you're in the club forever so I wasn't about to snitch on Myrna, but I just remember being entranced by that. So I've loved it ever since then. Um, so obviously, like, thank you for being my gateway friend, because I wouldn't be the horror fan I am today without you and Myrna. And especially shout out to Myrna for just letting us watch whatever the hell we wanted to watch. Um, she it's just only, let... Sorry. No, go ahead. It's only backfired a couple of times, but. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, don't pull, we're just going to call her Sally in this for legal purposes, but don't pull a Sally. Don't be like Sally and watch ghost ship and get so terrified that you lock yourself in a bathroom, call your parents and get everyone in trouble. That's a no, 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 no. don't do it. Don't do a Sally like horror fan rule. Number one. So obviously like that was our Genesis with Nightbreed. And Nightbreed obviously has had an enduring legacy since then. But for a lot of people listening, they might not know what Nightbreed is. Isn't that a shocking thing to think about? Or they... We broke it. (laughs) Yeah, we broke the uh, mic. Uh, No, we didn't. My son um, came in as... You know, you have those moments where your child wakes up in the middle of the night and just wants to know what the hell is going on. Um, that's what happened. So um, my child doesn't necessarily have a concept of what I'm doing. He just thinks I'm talking into a microphone and to people that's in the little computer. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, there are people out here, like I was saying, that don't know what Nightbreed is. Isn't that a shocking thought? Or they've only seen but a shell of the movie, or not a shell, like a splinter of the movie. Yeah, like they've seen the original cut, which is a mess, and we will get into that later on. But, so, um, I guess you and I could do our best describing Nightbreed. Um, 
don't shoot us in the foot for being inaccurate, please. Um, but this is just our interpretation of the movie. But the movie is revolved around a man named Boone who has violent nightmares about monsters and um, somehow is yet intrigued by them. His girlfriend is helping him kind of work it out. She's being supportive and she tells him to go back to his therapist. And normally that is great advice, but except if your therapist happens to also be a serial killer who is pinning his murderous crimes on you and also is played by the great David Cronenberg, you might be a little fucked. Just a little. <laughs> Just a little. Like, um, and Decker is a horrible person. Um, and that is a theme you're going to see consistently in this movie. But he pins all of his crimes on Boone. Boone is out of his mind. He he thinks, oh, if he's saying it, this guy might be right. I I kill people. So he keeps seeing dreams about a place named Midian. And he goes to Midian and wants to be made into a monster however they tell him no you you haven't done the things that they told you you've done and you're not a a monster so he gets bitten and then pretty much gets death by suicide which i mean death by cop um which decker kind of pulls a slick move and gets him killed and he dies but then he comes back as do 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 the night breed so then you find out all about the Nightbreed and Baphomet and everything that is going on down there. And you slowly start to learn that the monsters are more human than the humans are. And um, there are some great character work in this story. You only get like scratch the surface of what Clive Barker was talking about. Um, but as the movie goes further along, Boone has to stop um, Decker and um, a lot of cops get involved and there's just a whole like showdown between the cops, Decker and all the monsters and it turns into a bloody mess and towards the end we find out that Boone goes from being Boone to the prophesized cabal and that's where the movie left off and it was supposed to continue on. Unfortunately, we never got a continuation of the movie. Um, So I'm I'm trying not to put too much of the movie in here because I do really encourage people to watch it. Do not watch the original cut. Watch the director's cut. And Brittany and I are about to get into why there's a difference. But obviously this movie was written and directed by Clive Barker, um, which is huge. Um, unlike a lot of his other stories, this is actually based on um, the book Cabal. A lot of his other m- movies were based on short stories, such as Midnight Meat Train, Candyman. I mean, so many others. And this movie was kind of directly, it actually filmed directly after Hellraiser, Hellbound Heart. Um, but he was on the tails of Hellraiser and then Hellraiser, Hellbound Heart. So this movie came along um, and it was released in February, the February 16th of 1990. So I wasn't even born yet. Brittany wasn't either. Like I wasn't even thought of. <laughs> I was an embryo at this time. So shout out to my mom. 
that sounded really bad, but sorry, mom. I don't even think my mom listens to our podcast because she can't even handle Kung Fu Panda. So she probably <laughs> passed out listening me cuss. Um, but uh, so obviously this is based on the novel Cabal by Clive Barker. Um, they filmed this in Bragg Creek, Alberta, Canada. Um, it was done by Seraphim Films and Morgan Creek Entertainment and was made on a budget of $11 million. And this was made during a time where CG was not a thing. So a lot of the effects, creature effects, like actual effects, the only thing might be the Baphomet that we're talking about were practical effects. So these people literally like were sitting for hours on end. Craig Schiffer in the actual like bonus features of the director's cut talks about how he had to wake up at 2.30 in the morning to get in makeup by three to be on set later in the day like it was six hours of makeup for him to be cabal and that's just one person one and so, so many yeah so many and i mean like even the extras had to be detailed because they're you know you get such of that long shot in the middle um where the character of boone's girlfriend which i'm sure i forget her name Lori. Lori, yes, Lori Winston, which is played by Annie Bobby. Um, and she sings in this movie. Mm-hmm, and it's actually her, her singing in live. <laughs> live. Like that's a that's a feat of that. So for the makeup, they actually were in the Guinness Book of yeah. World Records for the most people in makeup in a film. Yes. But I think they, they don't have that title anymore, but no, they were for, for the while. longest time, yeah. Um, yeah, because this was a this was an intensive project. So we we had a couple holdovers. Like the star power in this movie is insane. David Cronenberg um, was obviously a very famous director in his own right, doing The Fly. You know, so many mothers. Like right now, I'm thinking of um, the new movie that he has coming out, um, Crimes of the Future. Um, but he's done so many, like the brood, the fly, rabbit, like, rabbit. Yep. He's done. He's like a horror giant. Exactly. So the, the fact that he's actually acting in this movie is insane. And not just like acting for like a few seconds. He has a main titular role in this film. He's um, so creepy too. Like he's so soft-spoken and calm, but in just intense. And then when he has the mask on, because when, when he's going out killing people, he puts a mask on. Um, so he's not being seen and that's how he's able to put it on Boone. Um, and obviously Doug Jones was on this fresh off of Hellraiser. Some of the other Bradley, Doug Bradley. Yes. Doug Bradley. Sorry. People are going to have my head for that, but sorry. No, you're okay. It happens. (laughs) Doug Bradley, um, with, which obviously you can tell that like when he plays Lylesburg, like when you hear his voice, you know that that's him. Speaking of which, originally his voice was replaced by a German, German yes. man's voice. Yeah, they were trying to say that it like he was saying that he didn't think it was done maliciously. Like they just had to go back and refilm it. So that's why they did that. But Given the state of how they did certain things in the movie, I wouldn't be surprised if they were just like, no, his voice just isn't jiving. I'm glad that in the director's cut, 
they brought that back because that was kind of jarring to see his, that his voice is iconic too like it adds so much to it not no shade to the other guy that did it but like doug bradley is doug bradley <laughs> yeah exactly and obviously like the effects like we're talking about they were huge like uh, some of the creature effects in here are just top tier and you're getting like and they're only for certain shots you know what I mean like so the artistry that went in for only a couple minute, minutes like here and there with certain characters and stuff it's intense especially with the original cut because they just they focused on um Decker more and the monsters didn't get as much time yes so that kind of leads us into the problems that plagued this movie. So obviously this movie was getting made on the it was getting made on the same set as Batman, um, which I did not realize. Mm -hmm. um, so the some of the executives from Morgan's Creek were actually on the set with them. And they only saw particular parts of the movie being shot. Um, which kind of rubbed some of the crew the wrong way. Um, but an ad exec, like one of the execs at Morgan's Creek, actually um, only watched like a couple minutes of the first film and decided that they were going to make some massive cuts. So they absolutely slaughtered the movie. Like they took out a lot of what made the story the story. And they focused it specifically on Decker and made it a slasher film. And it made no absolute sense. It took away the main point of the movie. <laughs> it's not about that. It's it's really about, you know, looking at who the real bad guy is and yeah. thinking more about that and not judging a book by its cover, essentially, I feel like. Yeah. And like, even in the ending of the movie, they had Decker coming back in like a Freddy, not even a Freddy, uh, um, Michael Myers or like a Jason kind of way of like mm -hmm. he's being resurrected and it was like what the hell like what shit are you on like it just didn't make any sense so it just obviously it ruffled some feathers Clive Barker didn't even know that that was the direction that they were going in the film and they started marketing it as a fit like a slasher film and a film about creepy characters and not what Clive Barker's story was based on so obviously Clive Barker was pissed I would be absolutely like if your movie got slashed in half I mean and they cut 40 minutes of the movie like that's insane like that's not just like making a few cut you know what I mean like what you nowadays you get people who are like oh this special edition cut like that's literally like a Lord of the Rings type of thing when you, you know, I mean, my Lord of the Rings fans out there will know, like when you got the extended cut, like that Lord of the Rings was already almost like three hours. Then we're pushing on six for the extended cut. So when you're watching all three of them, like crazy people did like AKA me back in the day, you were literally buckling in for like a 24 hour spectacle. Um, but that's insane. That's, that's half of a movie right there. And I feel like if you're trying to tell a story and they completely get rid of the meaning, it's, it could be very upsetting. Yeah. But you know, this was a kind of a, a theme back then, you know, horror movies, 
had not kind of reached the godlike tier that they have now. And so a lot of different movies that were different got a lot of this. They got the chop, you know, they got pieced together. But obviously with Barker, this was crazy because he was off the heels of Hellraiser and Cronenberg was off the heels of, you know, a lot of like the brood and different things that he had going on. And I know that they weren't the happiest about Craig Schiffer being put in there because they wanted a bigger name. Um, but could we imagine a different Boone? Like, no, that's a hard character, like being an everyman and then having it go him go through that kind of story. Um, that's hard. So I could not imagine being Clive Barker and having something that I absolutely put my blood, sweat and tears to just being slashed. Like that's insane. It's crazy. The treatment of the movie is kind of ironic to how the characters in the movie are like they're outcasts and the movie's kind of getting like this outcast treatment. Like that's, that's probably why horror fans can like relate to it so much because we are essentially outcasts. Yeah, definitely. So Obviously, the movie did not perform well um, when it got released because it just didn't make sense. Um, Diehard horror fans loved it, but didn't love the fact that there were obviously pieces missing of the movie. So as physical media started to gain notoriety with VHS tapes, stuff like that, you got different cuts of the movie. So there were actually essentially four cuts of the movie. You had the theatrical cut, the VHS cut, the cabal cut, and the director's cut. Um, And it just depends on how you saw it. The cabal cut was actually a cut that premiered at Horror Hound, um, which is crazy because we're by Horror Hound. So that's kind of nuts that Horror Hound has that notoriety. But that was shown um, at Horror Hound. And then they had a, they then had another iteration. And then for years, it kind of just laid dormant. And then thankfully, the gods at Scream Factory saw that this was obviously something uh, wrong that needed to correct it and brought us the director's cut. And essentially had the disgusting theatrical cut that made no sense wiped off of streaming. So we don't now, know her. <laughs> yeah, we don't know her. She doesn't go here. Um, <clears throat> but um, they now, all you can find is the director's cut, which is great because it's the movie the way it was intended. And even like me preparing for this, I watched the director's cut but then on YouTube, you can find the original ending. And the original ending is insane compared to the director's cut. The director's cut obviously makes more sense. The original one, it's just a mess. So right. um, thankfully, the sorry. go ahead. No, so go the director's ahead. cut feels near perfect. The only scene that I wish would have stayed was like the part where um, Narciss has that scene with Boone that's very, you know touching and feel good <laughs> yes yeah um I mean I think there was only so much they could put in I do think that we're still probably going to get another cut of this film later down the road I know that there's 
whispers of footage that are still hasn't fully been restored um but even if we don't get another cut the fact that it did get finally restored after so many years is great because I remember looking in the exchange for a cut of Nightbreed and it was like $60 for like a bootleg version of the DVD cut that's crazy so now the fact that you can own it through Screen Factory is great. And it's also on Tubi, Pluto, and Peacock now. So everyone <laughs> has access to it. Yeah, I mean, Tubi really is the place for horror fans anymore. I mean, a lot of, thankfully, through partnership with Screen Factory, a lot of the older movies, such as Nightbreed, are available on there. So if you want to see this movie, go watch it on uh, Tubi. It's also on Peacock and um, you can pretty much find it anywhere. So look it up. I mean, even if you've, sorry, go ahead. Sorry. You go ahead. Uh, It's worth a watch. That's all I was going to say. So if you haven't seen the director's cut and you've seen the other versions, I definitely recommend rewatching it because it's a whole different movie. Yeah. You know, Nye, when we were kind of talking about it, um, she didn't really come out and say it, but I know that like, maybe that was kind of the case with her. Like she really didn't understand it, but I think that's for a lot of people. Like if you haven't seen the director's cut um, and even if you have, go back and rewatch it. Cause if you rewatch it a couple of times, you start like understanding it more and more and more. Um, and I think that's the beauty of Nightbreed is um, Nightbreed is almost like a dark fairy tale, like a modern dark fairy tale. Um, and a and- love story. In a love story, yeah, especially. I'm just going to say this. Craig, he could get it. He could get it. Boone in that leather jacket, shirtless, he could get it. Even with him being cabal in the cabal makeup and everything, he was still hot. I don't know why that was like, I don't know why that was like us, you know, when she's like, oh, I don't know. Girl, same, he's still the same, except with some different features, but I mean, just the way he kissed her, I was like, damn, like, you really miss me like that? I'd be like, okay, you could do whatever you want to do. Like, I'm cool with it. So, I mean, I probably have issues, though. It's like the whole Beauty and the Beast syndrome. I'm cool with that. But, like, what other options did you have? Were you going to go hang out with Decker? Like, and his little smiley mask looking motherfucker face you know what I mean yes I mean she did though she kind of went down I wouldn't have gone down there I don't know it was pretty creepy I mean she's she she was a real one for that so and then the ending I mean it's it's essentially Romeo and Juliet horror edition yeah she you know spoiler alert for those who don't want to know um she ends up, you know, they make it out after Midian is just blown to smithereens and he's like, Hey, I'm cabal now. I got to go. And she was like, okay, I guess you can leave. And then stabs herself because she can't live without him. So then he essentially has to turn her into one of the night breed. And at first you don't think it's going to work, but then it does. So they get to right off in the sunset together. I wanted to see her Nightbreed, like, form. I really did. I hoped hers was, like, um, wasn't it Saucy? That was the one that was the smoke. 
Um, that was Rachel, I believe her name is. Yeah, I'm trying to think. The yeah. one I think you just said was the one with the spikes. Yes, Sassy was the spikes. Um, I wanted to be the one that was the smoke. Rachel. She, yeah, Rachel. She was like when they go into the jail and she like is naked and she's the smoke and then she kisses him and like the smoke I was like girl get it oh Um, I love sorry no go ahead I keep being rude I'm so sorry no you're fine the eight for those who listen to this and don't realize that Brittany and I have ADD manic crackhead energy like this is what happens we cut each other off sometimes not meaning to be disrespectful but we just finish each other's sandwiches ADD people get very passionate and they just like they like explode a little bit yeah and especially the two of us talking together having ADD I mean lord help us but the part where she like fucking puts her fist through that man yes to get Bobette because he's trying to hurt her that was amazing I was like get it girl like I really I that's why I wanted to see a sequel because I wanted to really like see her like fuck some shit up because you only got like 10 percent of probably what she could do and i'm telling you she could fuck some shit up like i don't know i wanted to be smoke that it kind of reminded me of um the mummy when he like makes himself the sand and like when rachel weiss is sleeping and he like makes himself the sand and then he he comes to the mummy and then goes to kiss her and then Brenda Frazier is like cat motherfucker cat um that's the kind of, you know what I mean yes um, I that's the kind of energy that I was like oh I was like oh it's kind of like Imhotep like I want that kind of power go ahead it's anything I was just cracking up and you're like I'm gonna be sand I'm gonna I'm gonna get you gonna... a sandbox and cover you up in it <laughs> is that why Imhotep did it I mean I know why they explain why he didn't like cats but was that another reason because like he turns into sand so like the cat with this you know litter sandbox you know the connection there it's pretty fresh (laughs) (laughs) just just freshly poured I just came I just came through the uh the doorknob so but bad <laughs> now that we made the worst joke in history brendan frazier is gonna throw us out the no he wouldn't brendan frazier is a national treasure although arnold Vosloo, again he's a national treasure too but he might be like throw those women out the window for making fun of me like that <laughs> um no he wouldn't he he seems like a sweetheart him and brendan brendan frazier both they need to be put in a bunker we need to save them save friend and brazier yeah <laughs> So back to Nightbreed, um, obviously back in 2018, Sci-Fi announced that they were going to do a TV series. And since then, we haven't heard much. I know like the Schmandemic um, kind of threw some, some lumps into that. But um, Josh Stolberg is rumored to be working on that along with Michael Dordery, who did Krampus and Trick or Treat um who I mean if there is going to be any dream team it would definitely be Michael Dordery and Josh Stolberg like Josh Stolberg we love you um obviously you do great wonderful things like with 
I mean, I know people knock these movies all the time, but I fucking love Piranha and Piranha 2, the Piranha DD. Um, and obviously, like, the Saw movies and with him recently doing Spiral and a lot of the other things that he's done. But, and then Michael Dory, like, Krampus, Trick or Treat. I mean, like, fucking Trick or Treat. I have Sam's all around me. <laughs> yeah. And I, I... I would probably, if Brayden wasn't terrified, I'd probably have Krampuses everywhere. I feel like, it. Like, honestly. Yeah. I didn't know about that show when I messaged you, and I was like, holy shit. What? What? I want this show. I need this show. Like, right now. Yeah, I, I still think that it's in, pro- I still think they're trying to produce it. But obviously, you know, the pandemic did throw challenges into it. It was announced in 2018. Obviously, at that point in time, sci-fi, you know, kind of was going through some changes itself because sci-fi was also linked with Fox. Fox had gone through the merger with Disney and then was changing hands to MG, um, Amazon and stuff like that. But I think probably it's still going on, but obviously it's not going to happen anytime soon. That's going to be a big production. Like they're, especially the way that I see Josh writing a lot of things. Um, and especially given the keys to do that, I think that that's going to take a little bit of time. Like, I mean, the Lord of the Rings TV show, they announced that back in, uh, 2018, 2019. And I think the only reason they got that done in order for it to drop later this year is they threw like hundreds of millions of dollars at that. Like they literally was like, here's the window. Let's just throw money out of it. Um, And obviously they had to do that because like, look how much money it took to make the original, like the Lord of the Ring films that Peter Jackson made. So like making a whole TV series out of, uh, you know, Lord of the Rings anyways, is going to be expensive. But then on top of it, like getting it produced in the middle of COVID, that's like a whole other banana boat that we're not getting into. Um, I don't know why I just went with banana boat, but let's just, let's just go there. Get on Um, the boat, the banana boat. But obviously like, you know, there is interest in it. And obviously there was enough interest to get a director's cut of Nightbreed. And I know that that's still like a good top selling one for Scream Factory. Um, so obviously it makes sense to make a TV series for it. And if anybody would do it, it would be sci-fi, you know, sci-fi just, it's been cranking them out lately with Z Nation and Van Helsing. And then they did the Day of the Dead. And I was very critical of the Day of the Dead stuff, especially with the fact that Romero's name was being attached to it. But once I watched it, I understood that they weren't trying to be exactly like Day of the Dead Romero. They were just picking up on the themes. And then obviously Chucky, like Chucky, that was, that just permanently cemented that sci-fi was the place to be, especially Don Mancini, like chef's kiss, man. Like you did that. You officially brought back horror TV with Chucky. Like now I feel like we're going to see a lot of those with the success of Chucky. We're going to get a lot of different horror TV brought back. Like I, I know I've heard whisperings of like them potentially maybe bringing Freddy's nightmare, little nightmares back. Um, and maybe doing a reimagining of that. I mean, there were a lot of one-off shows like that back in the 80s. 
in the 90s where we had Freddy's Little Nightmares. You know, they had the Friday the 13th series. Um, they had Tales from the Crypt animated. Like, I feel like we're going to start seeing a renaissance of that because of the success of Chucky and the fact that TV is now becoming a more profitable format. Um, I think we're going to see a lot more people and a lot more properties being developed in that area. If that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. So um, I would be super excited about that because there's only so much you can do in one movie. Right. And obviously Nightbreed really was that bitch when it came to um, the movie, like putting a lot in one movie because they, especially with the director's cut, you do get to see a lot of what they were trying to put in the full movie, um, but it's only one movie. And obviously there are plans to expand and to go on from there. Um, I think a TV show would be appropriate for that. Um, I would love to see the character development and where we're going with that. Cause you know, we briefly touch upon the care, the monsters within Nightbreed. Um, we briefly talk about Baphomet and how he saved the Nightbreed and stuff like that, but we never got any further. So I think getting a TV show behind that would be a good idea. So who knows? I mean, TV shows are killing it right now. Look at like I said, Chucky, The Witcher even, like the, I thought, I know a lot of people didn't think The Witcher was going to be a profitable TV show. And I'm just bringing that up because obviously I'm a natural Henry Cavill fan. And um, that movie, knock, that show knocks it out of the park. So, but um, I would love to see a TV series based on Nightbreed. I think that that, I want it now. I know I have to wait for it, but I want it now. <laughs> as I'm dying as you're dying yeah I'm turning into one of the night breed Brittany you get all my movies as long as you're not the one with like the mouse necklace I'm good because that I don't like that (laughs) um the one that freaked me out was the snake one with the snakes that came out of the stomach that to me was a little disalarming the eyeballs (laughs) yeah um that was a little disconcerting um other than that I'm cool unless it's like one of the ones that was like completely mutated the way it looked like part of the floor like that one guy that wasn't even like really a form it was just like a blob not about that life but you know if it's like a boon or someone in that direction I'm cool with it yeah into floor tiles I get it no no it doesn't sexually do it for me (laughs) I'm just kidding we're explicit now we can say it so fuck 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 (laughs) i mean we were explicit all along it just took the world to realize that now um i've never claimed to be a clean cut person um even though i look like i probably am but you know fuck's a great word so if you're afraid of a few little fucks this is the wrong tv show uh wrong tv show this is the wrong podcast to be on we're all out so, of forks to give. So now we got fucks. Yeah. We're, we, we lost the forks. Now we're into fucks. So that sounded so wrong. I'm sorry. <laughs> so um, how, what do you think the significance of this movie has had on films moving forward? Hmm. 
I'm trying to put it into words. So for me, I kind of see that where um, Clive Barker, you know, he did Midnight, Midnight Meat Train. And I feel like min, you can see a lot of him giving zero fucks after this situation um, and really taking control of it. Because Midnight Meat Train, when it came out, you know, it had Bradley Cooper, Vinnie Jones, like dizzying that that movie even exists, right? Um, but you see kind of the fact that he really wanted to be in control of that. So sure. I do see the effects that that's had on since then. Like, um, I know people are a lot tighter with certain films and I do see that people are, you know, you see a period of time after Nightbreed where people were taking risks. Um, you know, I think there was a, practical effects were definitely something that were valued more over CG. And I mean, the fact that Nightbreed was in the Guinness Book of World Records for most monsters, you know, most practical effects, like obviously that has a lasting legacy about how enduring that can be like um practical effects are always probably more preferred over cg i understand that like there are a lot of situations where cgi needs to be put in but um you can show a lot with little i think is and the fact that that was 11 million dollars back in 1990 i understand that that's a lot of money but still that really wasn't shit compared to what they made Right. And that's a lot of, that's just one piece to the film, like a small piece, like it's not a small piece, but screen time wise, it was a smaller piece. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in this movie, like it had David fucking Cronenberg as an actual actor, like that has the balls to it. And not only is he an actor, but he is the villain. So the man that literally created the body horror subgenre is in this film and there is body horror in it yeah exactly yeah definitely and there are such deeper themes into it like really truly you do see like like you were saying the fact that this film kind of had the issues that it did kind of mirrors the message of the film where you know, these filmmakers, filmmakers, I think a lot of times get a really bad reputation because there are some bad eggs that can have some egos and throw in some things. And in this situation, you know, I think maybe people thought, okay, Barker's just trying to, you know, this is his vanity picture and whatever. And he's just being irate for no reason. Well, if you cut 40 minutes of footage from my film, I'd be pissed the fuck off too. Like, I mean, this man wrote this book, like literally put his blood, sweat and tears and then wrote the screenplay and directed it. And then you have the audacity to not tell him that you're taking the film in a different direction. So you do see like that persecution side. And I do think that maybe that, him being upset by it maybe got him labeled as being more difficult when really he's a human being. This is his baby. And 
he's upset because he wants people to perceive his film well and he knew with them chopping doing what they were that it wasn't going to happen so i also think it's important that the director's cut got released because people they were showing it at different conventions i believe the cabal cut yes and then eventually we we get to see this beautiful finished film eventually so that push to get that there that means a lot too because some films have just had to go through that kind of hell to get their proper release yeah the cabal cut like if you actually you could go on youtube and see certain things of it but like the cabal cut a lot of it was rough footage um and people were still like it was rough footage it was like kind of warbled audio but people were still die hard for it and like i said the fact is is it first showed up at horror hound which obviously we know because that's a huge convention down in cincinnati um in the state that we live in but um the fact that that made it around and people were obviously so jazzed about it and then we land into a you know a director's cut and it's fully restored you know they took the time to restore the film and the audio and go through and add the extra stuff and bring the actors back and get the commentary and bring all the extra stuff in that's just an enduring love letter to how jazz people were for this movie like people were willing to go through all of that just to see this cut so um i do think that it's something to definitely note when you're talking about this because that's a huge thing that you and i are advocates for is at the end of the day this movie is clive barker's baby he is a human being whether you like him or you don't this was his vision and he had his movie absolutely slaughtered and to wait as long as he did for his movie to be restored that had to be painful i think it was 24 years i'm not sure yeah. if that's it was somewhere around that definitely so and the cuts and- had like missing like the score was missing i believe in some of the earlier cuts or something like that and they were very lucky because danny elfman did mm-hmm. the score for this um I think maybe that had to do a part with the fact that Danny Elfman was also doing the score for Batman at the time and they were sharing the same lot. Um, So they got him to come on, but like it has a lot of power behind it. And I know a lot of people were rooting for this movie. So I'm glad that they did get the release because that, like I said, that has to be painful. And, you know, whether you like Clive Barker or not, he makes great stories And at the core, this is a great story and it deserves to be restored into its original format. So thank you, Scream Factory, for helping that happen because I'm sure that that was not an easy task to begin with. And thanks to horror fans because we're like, I might be biased, but we're the most passionate, I feel like. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean. So hard. Exactly. I mean, if people didn't love the movie as much as it did and it didn't make the convention circuit around, like there is a lot of power in the voices of horror. Um, And I know, you know, there were a lot of people that really pushed for this movie to get a, you know, physical media release um, and fix the issues. So I'm glad that that was able to happen because I know for me, like, I love it. 
And yeah, it might've freaked me out to begin with, like with you showing it to me, but it's something that ultimately has become my horror comfort movie, like one of mine. And I love it because there is those deep tones in there and you really, it is a very moving piece about humanity where the people that you think are the villains aren't the villains and the people that may look like, you know, the proper well-to-do person might be the villain all along. So um, I definitely think that it's a moving piece of history and I'm really glad that they restored it. And I hope that it endures for many, many more years because obviously it's very deservedly so. And I could be biased because I'm a huge Clive Barker fan. I think Clive Barker is amazing. Obviously Hellraiser, Candyman, Midnight Meat Train, all of those are my jams. So you could call me out on it if you want, but I love him. Called out. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, you're canceled. <laughs> that's the first comment that's going to be on this episode. You're canceled. If someone saying. cancels you for loving Clive Barker, maybe they need to be canceled. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I love Clive Barker. And obviously his stories endure because look, Candyman got a legacy sequel pretty much, I, I don't even know if we want to call it a legacy sequel or a continuation, but still, like, that's endured. Midnight Meat Train, that might not have been a success at first, but, like, people in the core community are die hard for it, and I'm not a huge, like, blood and guts person, but I remember that's the first movie that I watched that was really brutal like that, that I was like, hell yeah, this movie's great, um, and that's saying a lot for me because like I said, my mom can't even handle Kung Fu Panda. So can you imagine living with that in your house? Like, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, you can't. Like, I love my mom. I, I don't want anyone to think that I'm really trying to rag on my I love my mother. But like me being a horror fan and her not wanting to see horror movies, that's kind of a weird juxtaposition. So like, you know, growing up and seeing certain you know, I didn't have that desensitization that maybe some horror fans do. So it took me a while to get that. But I remember watching Midnight Meat Trading me like, damn, this is a sick movie, but I love it. So you go, Clyde Barker, you go. And you did your thing. So that was my Glenn Coco moment, I guess. I was about to do a Texas Chainsaw moment, but I'm not saying <laughs> your thing because. <laughs> yeah. Texas Chainsaw has taken a little bit of a beating lately because of the whole remake thing on Netflix, but you know, whatever. Texas Chainsaw is amazing. So, um, but yeah, Night Three, watch it. It's on Tubi. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about with this episode, Brittany? Um, I think we covered everything that I can think of right now, but at like 3 a.m., I'll be like, <gasps> I forgot to bring this up and I'm gonna wake up out of a dead sleep. Yeah, and like- if you if there is some knowledge that we didn't know about and talked about in this, and there are people listening that have details that we might not have picked up on, please let us know. Um, we're only two people and um we're definitely deep fans of this movie. So if you have anything to add to it, we would love to hear it. So um, you know, sound off on the comment sections in these episodes follow us on our social media and now you can find us on twitch Brittany set that all up 
Yeah, join our coven. Oh, your face froze, so I didn't know what happened. <laughs> join our coven. You just left. You're like, I'm not joining this coven. <laughs> no, join our coven. Join yeah. it. We're you horror know. craft coven on Twitch. Yes, we're not we're a good. cult. We're a coven. We're not a cult. We're a coven. <laughs> um, there's clear differences. I can, I can break that down for you further if you need so. Um, but join us. We have a good time. I like an episodes like this when we get off camera and we want to just kick it. We'll head over on Twitch. So if you want to hear the same bullshit that we're talking right now, but in a way less uh, formal setting, follow us on Twitch. And um, I will be getting into horror gaming. I am not the biggest horror gaming fan. So you could come watch me literally make a literal fucking fool of myself. But I'm doing it for you guys and for the fun. So come watch this rolling train wreck. It's uh, it's witchy approved. That's what I'm going to say. Witchy approved. <laughs> it's witchy approved. Uh, I don't know if the Sanderson sisters would approve of it but you know i'm a sanderson only it's e and instead of o-n but the uh, cassanderson sisters cassandra you know yeah might as well i'm the missing one but um but yeah if you like this episode let us know what other deep dives you liked us to go into um i think one of the next ones we're gonna do is probably the crow or sleepaway camp um, I think those are gonna be super fun, but if there are some movies that you feel like we're absolutely missing that we need to just dive right into, sound off and tell us. So we're always open to suggestions and we want to hear what people are buzzing about right now. Um, so, but thank you, Brittany, for always pushing me out of my comfort zone and being my gateway friend. Um, without you, I would not know about this wonderful movie and I love it. So well, you're welcome for the trauma. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you know, what's funny is that traumatized me obviously, but then Nightbreed was one of the few, the first horror movies that I showed Jim when we Aww. first started dating and Aww. Jim had never watched it. So he loves it now too. Um, so yeah, I mean, Nightbreed, you know, it might traumatize you at first, but you'll come around afterwards. It'll be okay. It'll be okay. Just take a, take a Tylenol and it'll be okay. Um, that sounds like the worst advice in the world, <laughs> but, um, yeah, uh, this is me, Cassandra from the Horrorcraft podcast. And I have my wonderful, fabulous co-host, my best friend, Brittany. Hello. Um, Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Are you there, Margaret? Are you there, Margaret? What? <laughs> I don't know. It's that thing that you say. Oh, it's, it's me, me, Margaret. Oh, yeah. that's, it's a it's a book called "Are You There, God?" It's me, Margaret. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, close enough. Yeah, I phoned it in. <laughs> um, but it's me and Brittany from the Horrorcraft Podcast, your favorite twosome on the internet. That still sounds super weird. Please don't demonetize me for it. But we are saying goodbye. Watch this movie. Check it out on Tubi, Peacock. Whatever format you want to watch it on, watch it and let us know what you think. But until next time, it's your favorite witches checking out. So stay spooky. Bye. Bye. Bye.